We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 of the game. Back at it, Chuck Show. Halfway home on a Friday night with you. Rank them coming up at 1040. Have a little bit of fun before we close out the week. Odyssey apps, how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 92.9 on the game. At JMSH316 on Twitter. At the Lewis 4 Rio. You can hit us up with a rank them list. Also on our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line, 404-741-0929. We're going to open up the phone lines to you um, here at 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. And, and I want to hear from Georgia fans because obviously Georgia has been on this miraculous run, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous how good that this run has been for them. Back-to-back national championships, right? I mean, just, you know, obviously – unprecedented, unchartered territory. Now you go into a situation where you could potentially win three national championships in a row. Unheard of, right, in modern era football. When you look at UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, Auburn, Kentucky, Vandy, Florida, Missouri, Old Miss, Tennessee, Georgia Tech, then whoever you end up playing in the SEC championship game. Would it be, how disappointing would it be if this team doesn't win a national championship? Now, look, the schedules have been harder. They certainly have a a lot of personnel. They're going to be the preseason number one again in the country. So even after two drafts where they've lost 25 players or whatever off their squad, and all kinds of, for what, uh, almost 10, 11 first-rounders and everything like that. It feels like it's Georgia's national championship to lose. And I know it's, I know it's impossible to win three in a row. Like that is, for, even for Clemson and Alabama, that's uncharted territory. Even for Nebraska back in the old days of the 90s, that's uncharted territory to be able to win three national championships in a row. We've seen some two in a rows, but three in a row? I, I don't even know if anybody's ever done that. I mean, you might have to go back to like the 1940s or something and Army, you know, Army or Notre Dame, like one of those schools. But when you look at what this schedule is, there is, I mean, at a minimum, they got to be 12-0 and going into the SEC title game. That's the minimum expectation is to be 12-0 and going into that game. Like, when you look at that schedule, UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, I mean, are there any trip-up games at Tennessee and at Georgia Tech? Okay, maybe. But I'll, I'll believe Tech when they beat Georgia. 
Well, they did it before. Yeah, different time. This 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 Georgia program ain't what it was in the old days. Not this Georgia program, even what it was in 1980. This team's this this whole program is way better than even it was in the early 80s. This is uncharted territory. So how disappointing would it be if Georgia doesn't win the national title? Because everything sets itself up, right? And look, there are questions about Alabama and what they're going to be. Questions about Tennessee and what they could be. Questions about LSU and what they could be. I, I don't see how anybody is getting that close to Georgia as far as, okay, you know, this is this is the team that could, you know, this, this high-powered team or this or that could really upset them. I mean, again, Ohio State's going to have a new quarterback. Now, albeit it's Kyle McCord, and, and he was Marvin Harrison's quarterback in high school, so there's a little bit of familiarity there, right? And he's the next guy up, but you're still going to have a new quarterback. Still lost some personnel off your defense. Still lost personnel off your offensive line. Yeah, you've got... Kyle McCord at quarterback, Travion Henderson at running back, Marvin Harrison Jr., who might be the best player in all of college football. He might end up being the number one pick when all is said and done. But even they have their flaws and warts. Tennessee, Alabama, LSU. I See, again, I really like Florida State, but they've got their flaws and warts, right? I mean, Jared Verse and, um, um, oh, gosh, now I just now I just lost the other uh, quarterback. Uh, Travis Jordan. Like, they've got all kinds of personnel. They might have the best defensive player in the southeastern United States. They might have a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback. But it's Georgia's title to lose. And I know it's, again, we thought it would be impossible for Georgia to win back-to-back national champions. A lot of people probably are never going to believe that the idea that they could be number one, run the table, and be the favorite to win a third Straight national. And what would that tell? Like, look, if Kirby wins a third straight national title, I don't want to ever see a list again that puts Nick Saban ahead of Kirby Smart. I don't ever want to see a ranking system of who's the best coach in college football. If he wins three in a row, there is no doubt, zero zip nada, that Kirby Smart isn't the best coach in college football and has been a really good coach for a number of years now. So I just I look at the schedule and I say to myself, there aren't landmines out here. There, there's no reason that there are any sorts of landmines. I mean, if you're talking about at Tennessee and at Georgia Tech are your two toughest games, what's that getting you? What, what, what is that? I mean, is there any back-to-back games – that will be as tough as that. And miss me with Florida and Missouri. That that ain't that ain't the same. Miss me with Auburn and Kentucky. Ain't same. Miss me with Old Miss and Tennessee. Nope, sorry. Jackson Dart at quarterback for Old Miss. That guy was a guy who tried to throw a 10-yard out and he threw it 8 yards. But he had to bounce it off the turf to throw a 10-yard out to a guy. I I never I've never seen fewer I've 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 rarely seen a team that was inept as far as Jackson Dart had thrown the football at times, like he looked like he'd never thrown a forward pass in his life, that it was all handoffs and you know runarounds and things like that. 
but they are the clear-cut favorite to be the number one team. And with this schedule, I, I just don't I just don't see a reason why. And look, it's hard to go what at this at this rate seventeen and zero, or yeah, what is it? It's twelve regular season, thirteen, uh, fifteen and zero. I'm sorry, fifteen and zero. It's hard to go fifteen and zero. That's what Georgia did last year. Fifteen and zero. And and I don't see a reason why. At a minimum, they're not twelve and zero. Minimum has to be twelve and zero. And and I think that whoever they play in the SEC title game, they'll be at a distinct disadvantage. I don't care if it's Alabama. I don't care if it's LSU. I don't care if it's Texas A and M. I don't care who it is. They'll be at a, a distinct disadvantage lining up against the University of Georgia. Even Alabama. You know, even Alabama. You know, unsettled at quarterback, right? You know, you're only you can only keep losing so many stars that you you know it's it's not a matter of you can't replace a lot of those guys, but what they mean to your program, right? What what does certain guys mean to your program? You look at what Bryce Young and Tua Tagovailoa like those guys mean something to your program. Those guys are special players, not just because they're really good players, but they're special teammates, you know, players off the field and all this kind of stuff, right? Like there's more to it than just their their play. You know, it's hard to lose some of those guys. But this Georgia team is still going to be really good defensively. Um I like I like to hire Mike Bobo. I know a lot of people don't you know, don't necessarily like it or they're not as excited or thrilled or whatever like that. But I don't want to say Kirby is surrounding himself with yes men, but Kirby himself with guys that he intimately knows. Mike Bobo, Will Muschamp, he's, he's, he's bringing those guys into the fold in prominent positions because he knows what he wants to do. He knows at this point that he's got the squad. He knows at this point that he's got the program in the country and he needs those guys to help him execute that vision. I I like the Bobo hire myself personally. Mike Bobo was a better offensive coordinator as he went along, but I I understand that there are people that have angst about all of it, right? I mean, they didn't miss a beat with Dan Lanning. I mean, Dan Lanning went to Oregon and, you know, oh, you know, I mean, what, you know, what are they going to, they didn't miss a beat. Right? Muschamp's brought in. He's a consultant. Now he's, what, co-DC, whatever. I mean, and they don't miss a beat. May not have been the historic numbers last year that it was a couple of years ago, but they didn't miss a beat. Instead of 10 points a game, it was 17 a game. And you look at the returning talent for Georgia, there's still a lot of those guys. And by the way, there are guys that we don't even know the names of yet. There are guys who are potential stars on that team that we're not even talking about, that we don't even know about, that they can be really, really good. Georgia's got the number one high school player in the country, right? You know, recruited him. Got him to come to Athens, Georgia. Where, again, you know, they've they've done a good job recruiting quarterbacks, but it hasn't been like Kirby Smart has developed all these, you know, megastars at quarterback. It's not like he's developing all these guys that are, you know, big-time NFL prospects and things like that. But all they do is focus on their business of winning college football games. The the NFL be damned in all this kind of thing. 
It's about them winning as many football games and as many championships as they possibly can. So I think it would be a huge disappointment if Georgia doesn't find a way to win the Natty again this year because this schedule and some of the teams that are around Georgia vying for that you know national title spot, I think they've got a lot of questions and flaws to them as well. All right, when we get back, it'll be time for That's Life, our top 10 list, plus a couple of the stories. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, and the Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at it on the John Chuckery Show. Um, a little bit early on the Love TKO, although I wouldn't mind, but anyway. 921, live in the Kia Studios. Guess what? You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Uh, at JMCH316, at the D. Lewis for real. Uh, rank them coming up at 1040, so hit us up with your list as well. We'll, uh, excuse me, replay our interview with Jason Longshore coming up here at 940. Uh, we did mention Jim Brown, obviously, RIP to him. He was my dad's favorite player. And, you know, it's funny because several years ago, Day Day, I bought an, uh, I bought a, football card uh-huh. that was hand autographed by Jim Brown. Oh, wow. Nice. And uh, gave it to my dad as a uh, present. So Nice. Uh, nice. Just kind of a, a fun little thing, you know, okay. to, something different for a guy who's in his, you know, at that time in his 60s or what, 70s or whatever right, like right. that. So, but uh, yeah, I got him a football card of, of autographed of Jim Brown of his favorite uh, player of all time. So that's um, awesome. And, and that was, you know, it, Look, I was not alive for Jim Brown's you know right. run or whatever right. like that, but um, certainly one of the great football players of all time. Not just not just a great running back and all this. Uh, one of the great football players in, in NFL history. But yep. um, you know, only got to see highlights of him uh, on it. Uh, but um, certainly was just you know obviously a transcendent player, a guy who meant a lot to his community and things like that. Part of the um, obviously civil rights movement and all that good kind of stuff. So. And look, I, I had somebody on Twitter. Well, why don't you mention that he had a domestic violence? Yeah, yeah. People always want to do that. Yeah, 
They, yeah. they always want to come up with the negativity. Yeah, of course. Because, I mean, they've all lived like saints, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've, they've all lived like saints. Yep. If we if we knew about their dark clo- uh, dark secrets in their closet, yeah, I was gonna say they're all standing out there throwing yeah. stones right now. <laughs> and it's crazy because someone's died. It's it's crazy and amazing to me that people want to bring up the negativity when sure. someone has passed away. Right, like, that's the last right. thing. Like, uh, they're, they're, listen, you're gonna have plenty of time to right. bring all of that stuff up. Yeah, instead of just. Your first gut reaction. Right. Yeah. Like, come on. That's how they sound, too, in real life. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's how they sound in real life. Anyway. Um, listen to this story. This is a good heartwarming story, okay? A Rhode Island councilman faces calls to resign after footage of him being arrested has leaked out. So listen to this. A Rhode Island City Council member and former local chair of the Republican Party is facing calls to resign after he was found sleeping in his car with a crack pipe in his hand. When police arrived, quote, he appeared to be sleeping or unconscious while having difficulty breathing slash choking. The responding officer had to shake the man to wake him up, then noticed a glass pipe with a and a lighter in his hand. The man who identified himself as Cranston City Council member Matthew Riley said he had smoked crack hours earlier. Crack is whack. Body video camera released by the Cranston Police Department shows Riley telling the officers that he had not done drugs in the vehicle, but investigators say they found cocaine and fentanyl in the car. Ugh. Fentanyl. Listen, you know what? I I don't I don't know that this fentanyl is gonna kill me enough. Let me double down with some coke. Right. <laughs> Riley can be heard in the video identifying himself as a council member. At which point the officer says, quote, you're a councilman in Cranston smoking crack with crack on you. Crack is whack. What do you think your constituents would say? You think he gives a damn what they think? He's smoking crack in his car with fentanyl and coke. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I just... These stories, I mean, just they're unbelievable, Un- unbelievable uh, in them. But anyway, um, Jay-Z and Beyonce, have you seen this story? No. They have bought the most expensive house in California history. They have spent on their house in California $200 million dollars. It's the most expensive purchase in California real estate history. It's nice. Yeah, I mean, it it. It, 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 it dang sure better be. Uh, it's a Malibu mansion, most, the most expensive home ever to be sold in California. It's also the second most expensive real estate sold in the entire country after a $238 million New York penthouse says that even though uh, Bay is on her Renaissance World Tour and Jay-Z is uh, pushing to open a casino in Times Square, 
um, they found the time to be able to buy this. They said the original asking price of the house, Day Day, was mm-hmm. $295 million. Whew. The L-shaped property, property is a minimalist combination of concrete and glass designed by award-winning architect uh, Tadeo Ando. T-A-D-A-O, last name A-N-D-O. This thing looks like, from the aerial view, like from up top, it looks like the Avengers complex. <laughs> yeah. It, it spawns 40,000 square feet. They have uh, they can enjoy outdoor patio parties leading to a swimming pool, cabana, and a lawn with a cliff view of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, the massive property was originally built for noted art collectors Maria and William Bell with construction taking place 15 years ago. How about that? I mean, it, it's a, I mean, look, it's obviously if it's $200 million, you know, it's a unbelievable property. And by the way, it's, it's what it's, it's, it's only part of it is two stories, right? Yep. Only part of it is two yeah, stories. Only part of it is two stories. Like the whole thing is not two stories. And obviously, there probably is no basement uh, to it because it's on the side of a, you know, overlooking the Pacific Ocean. So, um, again, I mean, when you look at it, it doesn't necessarily look like a $200 million house, right? No, but, not at all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of these funky architecture. Like, literally, it's it's just a lot of open concrete walls. I mean, there's a pool and all that, and the ocean is literally, like, what? The, the ocean is literally Probably yards not away. Even, I about to say, not even yeah. 100 yards. Yeah, not even 100 yards away from it. So, crazy. But $200 million, the most expensive real estate purchase in California history. Unbelievable. Listen, only Beyonce and Jay-Z, right? They, yeah, they, they, would, they got it. Yeah, they, they, they got, got it. it. They got it for sure. So, they get it, got it good. <laughs> um, all right, tonight's top ten list, real simple, okay? Mm-hmm. In honor of Jim Brown. The 10 best football players that you believe of all time, regardless of position, Day-Day, the floor is yours. All right. So uh, mine is slightly biased because of, uh, you know, a few of them were on my favorite team, but uh, you'll figure that out. Uh, I got Jerry Rice, mm-hmm. Barry Bonds, I mean, Barry Sanders. Barry Bonds would be interesting. <laughs> right, right. Lawrence Taylor, mm-hmm. Reggie White, mm-hmm. Deion Sanders. Uh, my two favorite college guys all time, Reggie Bush and Peter Wark. Okay. Uh, Joe Montana, Ronnie Lott, and this guy, I hate to say it because he eclipsed my guy in Joe Montana, Tom Brady. So on uh, my list, um, and we have some of the, the same ones, my honorable mention is John Hanna, okay. who I think is one of the two best offensive linemen in the history of the NFL. Um, I've got Deion Sanders as well on my list. I've got Reggie White. Um, Ray Lewis is on my yeah, list. Yeah. Um, I think this guy's the greatest offensive lineman in NFL history. Larry Allen, the guard for the uh, Dallas Cowboys, obviously yeah. in their heyday. Um, I think Larry Allen's the most dominant offensive lineman I've ever seen. I've talked to Hugh Douglas about Larry Allen. Right. And, and he's like, that guy was a different cat. Like, mm. like that guy was a, a totally different cat. And, and all those guys. He's like, Eric Williams was a different – I mean, not just personally because right. we know what their demons were. Right. But he's like, as football players, Eric Williams, Larry Allen, like those guys were unique and different than anybody else uh, on the football field. 
Um, I've got Jim Brown in honor of my dad. Um, Jerry Rice. Um, Lawrence Taylor is still the best defensive player <laughs> yes. I've ever witnessed in my life. Like I ever. There, there's there's nobody. Ray Lewis. Anybody. There's nobody that can compare to how dominant Lawrence Taylor was. Yes. Like I don't know that. I, I would tell you that I don't know that I have seen a football player dominate a game the way Lawrence Taylor did. Yeah. If the Falcons had been in that draft, they would have drafted, you know, <laughs> they'd have drafted like, I don't know, like um, um, who, who's the, who was the, um, um, they'd have drafted like Jay Novacek or something like that. <laughs> like, you know, again, they, they would have passed on LT. Right. Uh, he's not, he, he can't be that good, right? Okay. Anyway. Um, Walter Payton is on my list yeah. as well. Sweetness. Um, Tom Brady's on my list because he's the most important football player in NFL history. Yeah. Like, he's the most important player you could have on a roster in NFL history. You may not like Tom Brady and all the stuff that goes along with it, but there is nobody that's the ultimate winner like Tom Brady yeah. is. I mean, in, in a league that is full of parity, in a in a sport that is supposed to get you from – Bad to good, bad to good, and good to bad, and mm-hmm. everything in between. He's the ultimate winner of all time. Yeah. And I will say, the last guy on my list, I think he's the best big game player in NFL history, and that's Emmett Smith. Oh yeah. I think yeah. when the lights were at their brightest, yeah, Emmett Smith was the most dominant player on the field. Yeah. Every time that they need, whether he was hurt. Right, the Giants game where he got hurt. Yeah. No matter what the situation was, he always rose to the occasion. Yeah. He was always the most clutch player. He was always the biggest big game player in yeah. the NFL. Like that was the, and that's the thing. Listen, as a pure running back, right. Barry Sanders was better. Barry Sanders, though, wasn't Emmitt Smith because of that gene that Emmitt Smith had. Yeah, there, there was something different. In the clutchness of Emmett Smith, yeah. and and when he got into big time moments, he capitalized on him. He dominated. Yeah. And, and I, I'm not taking anything away from Barry Sanders. I think he's I think he's maybe arguably the best running back in hit. Listen, for all the things that he did, listen, he has the most negative yardage runs in NFL history. You know that, right? Barry, yeah. Yeah, he's got the most yep. negative yardage runs in NFL history. So the fact that he was able to accumulate so many yards with that stat, I mean, tells you how great of a player he was. Mm-hmm. But when it was the brightest lights on the biggest stage, yeah. Emmett Smith never failed. Never failed. And I always admired that about him, that when it was the biggest moments, he would always succeed in yeah. them. So, uh, I've got, so Emmett Smith is my uh, final player on there. Okay. Let us know if you got anybody different on your list. Rank them coming up at 1040. But up next, Jason Longshore joined us a little bit earlier in the show is we look at what they did on Wednesday night. We look ahead to Chicago. Everything in between. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 99 The Game, the Odyssey.com app.
Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, back at it, Chuck Show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Friday night with you. 404-741-0929, Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, Andy United gets uh, ready for action coming up tomorrow night after a very successful uh, match against Colorado on this past Wednesday night. Now they're up in Chi-Town, 8 o'clock pregame, 8.30 kick. This gentleman will be part of the call along with the Mike uh, Mike Connie. <clears throat> Jason Longshore joins us on the waitfor.com hotline. You can follow him on his Twitter page, at Longshoe. Jason, my friend, as always, appreciate the time uh, this evening. No, thanks for having me on. You know, it feels like that this match was about 10 days late because you and I had talked about, okay, let's have a get-right game against uh, Charlotte uh, about, you know, whatever, 10 days ago or whatever it's been or two weeks or whatever it's been uh, at that point. That felt like uh, the get-right game on Wednesday night for Atlanta United as they just came out and did what they had to do. Yeah, it's twofold. I mean, the style of play from Atlanta United – wasn't any different the tactics tactics are going to change game to game i think you know when we talk about the way a team plays it's more of a permanent thing it's it's a game model it's it's a style of play and the style's been consistent for atlanta united the biggest difference on wednesday is you had patience going forward even after a missed penalty and get that opening goal. And when this team gets an opening goal against these teams that want to sit back and defend, those teams then have to come out and play a little bit. That opens up even more space, and that's where Atlanta United can thrive. Chicago's a little different. We saw them recently. They don't sit back and defend as deep, and at home they should come out and play a little bit from the beginning, which is a good thing for Atlanta United. But in these games that we've had here lately against Colorado and Charlotte and Nashville and Miami, all teams that want to get numbers behind the ball and sit deep, you've got to get the first goal against them. You know, I, I brought this up the other night on the show, and I did. I do think it's interesting. And and I know things have changed here in this, literally in this last match. United is now a plus four in goal differential. But before that match on Wednesday, they were the second leading goal scoring team with 21 goals but they had a goal differential of zero. And if you looked at the other, when you looked at the top six goal-scoring teams, the five other teams around them, plus seven, plus nine, plus ten, you know, I think one was plus eight or whatever like that. Why do you think that Atlanta United is just so different than that, that they're such a prolific scoring team, but, boy, they give up a lot of goals along with it? Yeah, they're giving up too many goals. That's something that has to improve for this team to continue climbing the ladder in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you do have to keep in in mind you had that one outlying game, the 6-1 in Columbus, which is a a big minus five that sits on your number. But Atlanta's got to be better defensively. You've got to be able to win some tight games where, look, I I feel confident about this team scoring goals all season long. They've scored in every game so far, and they've scored in a lot of different ways as well. But they've got to be better defensively to win those tight games when you get late in the season and you get into the playoffs. Jason Longshore joining us on the waitfor.com hotline, covering all things uh, Atlanta. Now, are you in Chicago, by the way? I am in Chicago. I am waiting to go in and, and have some dinner at an old family German restaurant. Are you like Sinatra? Are you singing My Kind of Town and all that, just skipping down the street with a fedora on or what? 
No, I don't have a fedora on tonight, no. Okay, all right, but you are skipping <laughs> down the street. Uh, anyway. Oh, of uh, course. I mean, that's just, the, that's just the usual thing. Right, right. That's Listen, you call that Friday, so anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, look, this Chicago team, um, they're 13th in the Eastern Conference, um, you know, only 14 points, minus three goal differential. Does this feel like one of those times where we need to find a three-point victory on the road? Does this feel like one of those moments where – okay, let's go in here and steal one and grab us three points on the road. Yeah, 100%. And the thing that I do really like about Atlanta United in 2023 is if you compare the way that they've played on the road versus the way that they've played at home, and I'm not talking results, I'm talking about the way they've played, the approach, they play the same. They don't go on the road and, and sit back and just try to be a counterattacking team. And I think against a team like Chicago, who, you know, even in the game when they were on the road, they didn't sit back deep. They they really played a little bit more of a, uh, I guess the best way to put it in, in general terms would be like a midfield trap. Like in the middle third, they were trying to create traps, and they were really difficult to play through there. And it was different than Atlanta United had seen, and they struggled with it. In a game at Soldier Field for Chicago where they need points. They've got a new manager in charge in Frank Klopas right now, and they're coming off of a, a disappointing game on the road where they had a 1-0 lead in Charlotte and ended up losing 2-1. I think, Char- I think Chicago's going to open up and try to play and get numbers forward, which will then present space to Atlanta United. And, and the way that they play, even on the road, they're going to take advantage of that space. This is a very winnable game for Atlanta United on the road tomorrow. So let's talk about, the, obviously, the big move that happened the other day is Arujo is now going to, what is it, Flamencos? They're doing a dance or Flamingos or whatever it is. But no. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you up on the Brazilian teams here soon. Flamingo. Yeah, okay, there we go. Uh, Gesundheit. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, look, the, the thing I'm interested in is, is this the start of a lot of, I don't want to say a lot maybe, but but definite tweaks to what this roster is going to be through the summertime as you get toward the end of the season? I mean, look, if they can get eight figures for him, you get eight figures for him, right? And I think yeah, that there are, you know, obviously Almada and some other guys, but is, is this kind of the start of, okay, we're going to retool this thing and we're going to capitalize on, the success that some of these guys have had for us? I think it's, it's maybe the continuation of that because go back to the, the last offseason where you had to make some moves to clear your cap space to be able to, to add a couple of strategic elements. Now, look, the wild card is going to be Almada because you just don't know when we're talking about a player with the kind of price tag that Thiago Almada could be demanding here. Um, or could be getting from teams. And, I mean, he's going to want to get paid as well, but this is more about the transfer fee portion of it. That's, that's a huge move, and you just don't know if it happens in the summer. You don't know if it happens in the winter. You don't know if it happens in the summer, and he's loaned back for the rest of the season. This could happen. I mean, with Tiago, it could be an early in the transfer window thing where we're talking about July. It could be late in August where we're talking about this. And I think the later it goes – that he doesn't get transferred out, the more it opens the possibility that he stays in Atlanta and finishes the season before joining his new team in the in the winter transfer window because he'll miss preseason with his new team. And at that point, it's going to be harder for him to integrate into a new team than to stay here and play and try to win a title. So 
I think that's one thing to be on the lookout for. And the other is just now, what do you do in terms of replacing the designated player that is Luis Arujo? You know, do you go winger? Do you go like for like? I don't think you go like for like exactly in style of player, but do you go like for like in terms of position? Or do you move the pieces around? I mean, this is a, a manager in Gonzalo Pineda who has valued versatility in his players. He likes to have guys who can play a couple of different roles. So, you know, do you look for a 10? Do you look for an attacking midfielder immediately, but somebody who is comfortable playing on the wing as well? But then if Almada goes, you've got that cover and you can move him inside. You've got to create a little more versatility, I think, in your attacking pieces. And you can do that now with a designated player opening already. So what is, I guess, their, for lack of a better term, cap space or things like that? Like, how much can they money-wise allocate to to bring guys in? Because, look, this franchise has obviously never been bashful about spending money. Like, they're not... They're they're not pinching penny or uh, pinching pennies and things like that. They they will go out and get star caliber players. So, is it a matter of they have the resources, you know, with the designated player? But I, I know that there's money aspects about what you can spend and things like that. Just kind of give me an overview of that aspect of it. So, in terms of of the two pieces, the one in Arujo, who we already know is, is outgoing, and the possibility with Almada. There are two different aspects of the designated player rule, and those are separate from the cap. So we don't even have to worry about cap space in this situation. But you do have to worry about Almada is a young designated player versus Ararujo, who is not. There's an age cutoff at 23. So to be able to have all the other benefits you get roster-wise with U22 spots, and we're getting deep into the weeds, the main thing is you've got to have one of the two. If you lose Almada and Arujo, which you already know you're losing one, if you lose both, you've got to replace one of those spots with a young designated player under the age of 23 to keep the rest of your roster intact the way that you want. But Arujo, in terms of just replacing that spot, you can spend what you want. It's a designated player spot. He's over that young DP threshold. You can spend what you want in salary, and you can spend what you want in transfer fee. Last question for you, Jason, and I, 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 I guess I'll phrase it this way. Like, we see young running backs come in the NFL, and coaches just just chew, let them get chewed up and spit out and just burn the, all the tread off the tire. I mean, you because you feel like you only get a few years out of high-caliber, high-quality running backs. They've got them till June 24th. Do you just burn all the tread off the tires with them? I mean, you know, you 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 do some things differently with him. I mean, just knowing that he's not going to be here for the long term. I, I, I guess I don't know how, how to necessarily phrase it, but, you know, other than just do you let him just kind of play all out and, and see what he can really do over this next couple few weeks? Yeah, I think you do. Uh, I think, you know, you have to be mindful of fatigue for him and – the possibility and you know, that he might need a little bit of time here or there, but yeah. And I think it's a, a credit to Arujo and his commitment to the team, because a lot of times in this kind of situation, we see players when they do these early transfers and they're going to go in the next window, they don't necessarily play that much for the club that they're still at. But I'm assuming in this situation, because you know, he's on the trip, 
that you're going to see Luis Araujo be part of this team until that last day he's not. And, and Gonzalo Pineda talked about it today that, you know, he's incredibly committed to the team. I think it's probably something that was discussed with Flamengo. They're on board with it. And it's, it's, a, it's a statement, I think, of Luis's character as well that he wants to end on a high with this club who he's always played hard for. You can talk about the production in terms of goals and assists, but Otterucho has been one of the hardest working players in this team, and he really hasn't missed much time in his you know, almost two seasons here since he joined in late 2021. So I don't think he starts missing time now. Well, um, we know he's going to be with Matt Dillon and uh, be part of the Flamingo Kids, so uh, we've got that to look forward to. <laughs> anyway, wow, what a reference. Yeah. Well, we brought that up last night. So, I mean, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't think of the actual movie. I knew it was Flamingo something with Matt Dillon, but I had to get the kid part of it right. I, I, I could not remember. So, that's listen, I saw that movie in 1984. I can't tell you that with, with brain dead, you know, Ness uh, in my head and all that. I, I can't remember that kind of stuff. Anyway, Jason Longshore, he is the color analyst for all things Atlanta United. Join me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Don't forget, tomorrow night, he and uh, Mike, uh, Mike Connie will be up in Chicago, 8 o'clock pregame, 8.30 kick. Jason, enjoy the uh, evening. Uh, enjoy your time in Chi-Town, and uh, we will talk to you again here soon. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, as always. You got it. Chuck me in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, not to the game. Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.